Hello, everybody, and welcome to the American Shoreline Podcast. My name is Peter Ravel. I'm the co-host of this show. And y'all know my co-host, Tyler Buckingham. He is at a Ukrainian wedding this week, so uh, this is a solo act. Uh, But we are at the Florida Shore and Beach Preservation Association meeting in Hutchinson Island, Florida, on the southeast coast in Martin County, Florida. And we are so happy to kick off our coverage of the FSBPA meeting with Doug Smith, a county commissioner from Martin County, longtime resident here, and a big part of spearheading the county's effort to manage this shoreline in Martin County. Welcome to the American Shoreline Podcast, Commissioner Smith. Uh, Peter, welcome, and thank you uh, very much for having us and, and, and hosting us and hosting the, the event here and uh, letting me be part of this with you. Well, it's a beautiful place, and we're at the Hutchison Island Resort and Spa. It really is a spectacular facility. There's an interesting history to the building that we are in. But Commissioner, introduce yourself to the audience around the country. Uh, how did you get involved in politics? When did you get to Martin County? And uh, what, what, and introduce us to the area, too. So, Peter, that's a, a long that's, story, um, as they always are. But uh, I'll, I'll try to condense it as much as possible. Years, uh, years and years ago, when I was a child, my, my parents were both involved in uh, politics up in, in New England and Massachusetts. And... Um, my mom was a school board member for 16 to 18 years, something like that. And, uh, you know, the big difference about running for office in New England versus running for office down here is you do it in the wintertime up there and you stick your campaign signs in the snow banks versus pounding them into the sand banks here. So um, I, I suppose it was destined that I should end up running for office growing up in that kind of world at some point. Uh, what I've shared with folks before is that what's what I had said to my my wife when we moved here at the time uh, We didn't know anybody when we moved here and I said well You don't ever have to worry about me running for office because I don't know anybody and, and I don't know how you get elected for office if you've only you know If you only know two people in Martin County, which we did and some years later um, Working with some nonprofits and some great friends in, in our community. They said hey, you know, you really um, ha- Have a knack for this kind of stuff. You ought to consider running for County Commissioner um, I was going to run in uh, 96, and a really good friend of mine's dad had been in office for many, many, many years, and he was running again, and that wasn't a good idea to, to put three people into the campaign and run against him, so I didn't. Um, he ended up not winning that election cycle, and in 2000 I did, and um, 20 years later I'm still here. So um, it's been a great run, and and, and the, the, the best part about this job and, and what I get to do every day for, for our residents is work on things like beaches. Um, you know, we, in, in county government in Florida, we, we work on all sorts of things. We are engaged in just about every aspect of every kind of thing that happens in a community. And um, the beaches, more than half of them end up being in my district. Um, I'm a, I love our beaches and I'm a huge fan of beaches in our coral reef uh, track that we have. And so um, it, it's fitting that it's in my district for the most part. Um, and so I do spend a fair amount of time working on this part of, of what we do here in, in local government and what we do in Martin County. And I'm truly incredibly blessed to have the, the most amazing, talented team of, of staff that I get to work with on a daily basis. And our coastal management people are, are world class. They're, they're on their game constantly. And um, it's, it's why we have such a great program. Well, we are in a beautiful part of Florida. We're just north of... Uh, Palm Beach here, about an hour north on the Atlantic shoreline, and it's been a little scary this summer with a few of the storms headed this direction. Uh, how was it? 
Yeah, these are the, these are the summers you don't wish for. Um, I had the, the, the fortune or misfortune to be chair of the county commission during Francis and Jean. And for those of you who remember or recall back in 04 and 05, we had a series of hurricanes that came to the eastern shore and Stewart, Florida, um, and primarily the inlet um, part of our district, uh, really was ground zero for Francis and Jean, and they were only a month apart, and one was a Category 3 and one was a Category 4 hurricane. And uh, we learned a, a tremendous amount back then, um, but we also went through a lot and, and did a tremendous amount of damage to our community. And nothing like the extent of what we saw with Dorian and two weeks ago and, and the damage it's done in the Abacos and, and right. you know, our hearts break for them. We, we have uh, some amazing people here doing um, some amazing volunteer work, getting supplies and, and pretty much anything that they need to help them start to kind of put things back in order and, and, and try to help them get back on their feet. Um, we have an organization, one of many, um, Operation 300, which could be a whole another story for another day, but if you want to Google Operation 300, they're remarkable in what they're doing and, the, and the, the, what never ceases to amaze me about um, both our people here in Martin County, but people everywhere. When there is a disaster, you know, such as we saw with Dorian, uh, people step forward and they, and they do the most amazing things. I mean, the, the, the amount of donations, the amount of things that have occurred over that time has been sh nothing short of a miracle. But it also reinforces the fact of, of why we do the work we do with our beaches. Mm -hmm. um, our beaches really are that first line of defense. Um, when we get a huge storm surge or we get a huge tidal uh, erosion event that we get um, with hurricanes, and we're still getting um, uh, a spinoff from Dorian uh, as far away as it is up, you know, way up in, 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 in Humberto, the, the next one that went up. Um, it is why we work so hard at making sure that we keep our beaches in the best um, shape that we can keep them because they really do provide that first that first bite at protecting the shoreline um, but it is it's it's a all hands on deck it's a it's a full county staff engagement we we run shelters um, we have uh, plans in place for every conceivable thing you could do we actually in this past storm event with Dorian, we evacuated the island. We shut off the water supply to the hotel, to everybody out here on the island, mm -hmm. because that's what we do wow. as part of our procedures. Yep. And so, um, you know, all these things are tied together. Uh, and, and storm events are incredibly stressful for our community, for, for our visitors. Um, but it does put in perspective why we do all this work ahead of time. We make sure that, um, like I said earlier, things that are in place that, uh, to the greatest extent. And we here in Martin County, and, and, and the counties that have both federal and state programs um, with beach renourishment, um, we're on it constantly. We're in a constant rotation of our projects and making sure that when our profiles start to change and, and we start getting diminished, that we're right back on it again. And if we have storm damage and if we've lost sand, uh, we account for every bit of that so that we can end up um, going back and, and making sure that we can account for everything we lost. Right. And that's so important with our friends at FEMA who who support local communities that take the initiative, maintain their beaches, invest in that shore protection program, whether it's dune restoration or beach restoration. Uh, being able to count the sand and know how much you lost is so important in the financial planning for shoreline management. Yeah. And, and, and it's a you know, it's a commitment. And, and, and I've, I've shared with people for years um, you know, we spend we spend millions of dollars, um, literally, um, um, every um, couple of years maintaining our beaches out here. 
uh, it's a huge commitment, both from the federal, state, and local governments to make sure that we fund that appropriately. But what I try to get people to understand when you think about that, because a lot of people question why, why we do it. Because when a storm event comes through and you wipe out you know, hundreds of thousands of cubic you know, yards of sand, you know, why would you go put it back up again and, and why would you do it all over again? Well, there are a myriad of reasons why we do it. Um, there's, a, there's certainly the, the, you know, the, the frontline shoreline protection of our coastal um, businesses, our homes that are here on the coast um, that we absolutely have to protect. Um, there is the portion of our economy that, that benefits significantly from our visitors coming to the beach and, and enjoying that asset that we have. Uh, there's the whole natural environment side of it. We have, a, we have an enormous turtle population, nesting population here along the eastern shore uh, of southeast Florida. And so uh, that and, and a host of other reasons are sort of why we do it. But, but I try to convince people and try to get people to think of beach renourishment is, is it's really no different if you think about it than we are constantly, I say we, the federal government and the state and, and us as well, we're constantly out uh, resurfacing I-95. Right. And, and spending millions of dollars putting asphalt down only to go back every four or five years, mill it down, resurface it again, to make sure that it's safe, make sure that it's it's in, in the best condition to be for our traveling public, for our commerce that exists. Um, it's the same thing we do with our beach. It our, is. Our, our beach is really, at the <clears throat> end of the day, um, I view them as a piece of infrastructure. We have an inlet also in Martin County that we spend millions of dollars maintaining and keeping open and making sure that the draft is such that our commercial industry that uses that in, in, inlet and our uh, recreational folks use it, it's the same thing. Anything that we maintain, and we're maintaining our beaches, we're maintaining our inlet, is just like we're maintaining anything else in our in our slew of things that we take care of, whether it's our building maintenance, whether it's a roofing, air conditioning, or even to the to the, the greatest extent, our runways at our airport or um, resurfacing on 95. So mm-hmm. if you think of it that way, yeah, uh, it's not like, sure, a storm comes in, takes out hundreds of thousands of cubic acres or yards rather of sand, and we go and bring it back and put it back on the beach. It's it's a different style of management and, and maintenance, but it's the same thing. It, you know, it's it's such the right comparison. Uh, and I would I would add that, and I've always found this uh, interesting, Commissioner, is when it comes to this issue of the the rationalness, uh, the rationality of maintaining these shorelines, which we expect to, to do certain things for us, provide recreational space provide habitat for turtles, uh, provide protection to public and private infrastructure and investment. Uh, The best comparison that I've come up with is really about ports. I mean, I have never heard anybody say, why are you continuing to dredge a port channel over and over, and can't you find one thing we can do that will make that stop filling in? I've never heard that when it comes to ports, but when it comes to beaches, folks say that. They'll say, why do you keep doing it? You have to keep doing it over and over, and you can't come up with a permanent solution. It's just a, it's an odd thing for the public to understand, I think. It, it's, a, it's a very dynamic resource. Uh, we have one beach here about a mile and a half south of where we are today at the Hutchison Shores. Uh, called Bathtub Beach. It's a really unique um, beach in Florida. It's this fantastic little uh, piece of paradise that um, has this uh, amazing worm reef rock uh, uh, encroachment that's only 
50, 75 feet off the, 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 the beach shoreline. And periodically um, in the wintertime, we'll lose 10, 18 feet of sand um, mm. in height and, and, and certainly maybe sometimes uh, 50, 60, 70 feet deep worth of, of to the ocean side of, of sand. Um, literally within weeks, um, the, the, the northern end of bathtub will on its own recruit 8, 7, 10, 12 feet of sand and 100 feet long worth of sand. Mm-hmm. The natural sand cycle. And it, and it just, it is this crazy dynamic that happens out there that not all beaches operate that mm-hmm. like that. Uh, but this beach in particular has this amazing uh, ability to come and go. Um, and it, you know, it perplexes people. People get very frustrated that so much sand goes away. And, and then all of a sudden, like as if you snap your fingers, it's back again. And literally it comes back in a very short order period of time. And so um, we deal with a very dynamic situation, um, weather, um, current uh, hurricanes, um, inlets um, change the dynamics uh, substantially of what we're dealing with out there so it is something that we 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 take as a full-time effort you have to because you really it, is, do. it is that much of a dynamic and the resources that we are protecting um at the end of the day as, as much as we love doing it to make sure that our, our our folks using the beach as a recreational activity have a great beach to be on as i said earlier it really does provide that first line of defense for all sorts of um, uh, value and, and protecting interests of people's homes and businesses and turtles and all the other things we listed. You know, it's, it's cheaper to lose uh, a couple hundred thousand cubic yards of sand than it is to lose a state road or businesses or utilities. Those are a little bit more expensive uh, to replace. Uh, beaches and dune systems are sacrificial in a sense in the management scheme of that, that but that's where you want the damage to be. You don't want it to be uh, in the upland, but let me ask a question as an elected official. Um, you guys obviously work very hard at it, and you have strong partnerships with the federal uh, government through the Army Corps of Engineers, a couple of federal projects here, work very closely here in Florida uh, with the Florida Department of Environmental Protection. They've got a strong cost-sharing program. Uh, can you give our listeners a range? What is the county's investment? Is it? In, can you sort of round it out? I know it kind of depends, but how much money are is required of you as a county uh and and is that do you find the public is prepared and comfortable with the investments that you're making so yes yes and yes okay um uh, we have had a long standing program we've been doing this for 30 plus years um, it is part of our budget. We build it in as a reoccurring number. It's something we never stop doing. Um, I think our residents value and understand the importance of having our beaches. Some question sometimes how much you know is involved in all of it. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think by and large, most of our folks are very much appreciative of, of what we do to spend. On the beaches, we, we probably are into each project for a couple million dollars on our end um, at each at each turn that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been very fortunate through the years to have um, various funding partners with the feds and with the state. Um, that funding strategy, strategy has changed in recent years uh, in terms of where those funds come from. Um, with the passage of Amendment 1, that all changed um, the funding stream uh, in terms of how we saw it before coming out of the doc stamp money. Um, and doc stamp money for P 
people around the country. It's a yeah. real estate transaction uh, right. fee that's charged uh, to every real estate transaction that occurs in Florida. Um, and that was a uh, that was an effort that was put forth probably maybe now 30, 25 years ago or right. so. Back in the 90s, I think. One of the first states with a dedicated uh, state program for shoreline restoration, the document tax here in Florida, it's a real estate state, so that was a good idea. Yeah, it, it was, and it, and it really served for those that invested in their program as a as a as a, as a good stable matching program that we could count on, and and that we knew would be there. And things changed in recent years, and uh, with some legislation that was passed uh, by a constitutional amendment. Um, but we have adjusted, and we have you know we have calculated you know how how we deal with that, and uh, we are very fortunate. We have a, we have a an amazing Department of Environmental Protection. We have great leadership. We have people that really understand what the value and the importance of our beaches are to us as a state and to us as regions and, and, and counties. Um, and so with DEP, we, we work very closely with them on our permitting and, and, and the Army Corps. Um, you know, you, you know the, the Army Corps is, a, you know, is, is an interesting um, challenge for all of us always. Yeah, um, it's, it's, I think it, around it, the country, too. It, it's the federal government, and I, and I don't mean that to, to be smart, but it's, it's, it's just another level of complexity. But once, you, once your staff, once your, your elected officials, everybody understands that there are these boxes that have to be jumped through. And, mm. and, and once you get people that are, are comfortable working in that realm, in that, in that perspective, it's really no more difficult than anything else is. Um, you just have to stay after it. You have to be consistent and you, year after year. Um, and we do. And, and mm-hmm. most of our communities that, that we're around here on the East Coast, at least, and, and certainly the, the West Coast counties of Florida are, are very in tune to that. And then, of course, you have FSBA, uh, which is the Florida Shores and Beach Association, um, that is this fantastic uh, organization that supports all the efforts of what we do, yeah. and, and both from an educational component to uh, to a knowledge set to working in Tallahassee with our legislators to get them to understand and make sure that they continue to understand the importance. And you know, over many years of, of legislative cycles that you go through, it's 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 a nonstop program to educate people because mm-hmm. you have now that we have term limits in Florida, and we've had now for probably ten plus years or so, uh, you're constantly getting new legislators. That, that may not come from my coastal community, may not have any relevance whatsoever as to the importance of what do beaches mean to Florida and right. what do they mean to the protection of our assets. And so um, that effort never stops. Um, every year we go back, we, it's almost like you start at ground zero again and, and start working your way through that educational component. Hmm. Um, we've also been very successful um, um, with our Florida Association of Counties in support of what we do with our beaches because we have a, a large contingency, clearly, of counties that, that are coastal. One of the benefits uh, the state has, I think, in the political realm is a whole bunch of coastal counties. We, we do. And so we have, we have great involvement at, at our Association of Counties in Florida, but also at NACO, our National Association of Counties. We, uh, we have um, constantly we have resolutions that we are and we use a little bit different system in, in Washington than we do here in Florida but um, similar kind of approach to supporting legislation that's working its way through the system or an enhancing legislation that's working its way through the system and so we also use them we, we use that that both as a as a as a resource for knowledge but also as a lobbying effort to make sure that 
the voice of our beaches is heard both locally here and uh, at the state level and uh, clearly at the federal level. Well, it's such an important part. Uh, as I like to say, every, every decision on shoreline management ultimately involved the public process. That means elected officials in D.C., in Tallahassee, and at the county level, and oftentimes at special districts level. Everything has to ultimately come through a public decision-making process. And it, there is a skill to both understanding and managing and being politically astute uh, in that process because can, it can get a little complicated. But I wanted to ask you about Amendment 1. Uh, this is the new strategy on funding in Florida. Can you tell our, uh, our listeners around the country, what is Florida's uh, state contribution funding strategy these days? What is Amendment 1? So Amendment 1 was a constitutional amendment was that passed uh, three, four years ago um, by the voters of, of the state of Florida. And it was, on the surface, it was really about uh, acquisition of open space and land uh, for the state of Florida. There was a lot more embedded in the fine print of, of the constitutional amendments itself, and it's actually in litigation and has been in litigation, I think, now for the last year or so. Um, people's interpretation of what the money could have, should have been used for uh, was not exactly what others thought and what voters maybe thought that they were voting for and what they got. But there were a lot of funds that were shifted from things like the doc stamp, documentary stamp, transfer tax fee, uh, into Amendment 1. It was a large pot of money that was reoccurring, I, I think, for um, 20 years um, that would generate a significant amount of money. And, and again, there were some, in, in certainly, that were involved in getting the Constitutional Amendment passed that believed that the lion's share of that money should have gone to land acquisition, when, in fact, there were other programmatic components of it and staffing components and, and paying down debt of other programs that were also part of that. Um, so for the last couple of years, um, we have gotten that ship righted. Um, we are at collectively with all of the different funding sources um, in Florida for beach management. I think we're at around number, some around 50 million uh, that has been allocated for beaches um, from a couple of different pots, not all from Amendment 1, right. um, but from different pots. And uh, that's something we've been working really hard to get back to. We slipped for a couple of years to a little bit less than that. Um, that really kind of hurt some of the projects around the state. And um, so FSBA um, has had that as part of one of their significant issues. We've had some great champions in the legislature through the years, Senator Mayfield up north of us here. Uh, and we have a new representative, uh, Representative Chip Lamarca out of Broward County on the House side that really were uh, champions in, in making sure that those efforts moved forward and others moved forward rather, relative to everything, beach you know, maintenance and management. Right. Well, you know, I think it's an, I think, people look to Florida on beach restoration funding. I think it probably the state with the most consistent level of funding, more than 100, I think 125 miles of shoreline. Uh, sandy beaches in Florida are managed uh, at, by the state and, and local governments here. Uh, so it is a successful program. It must have been a little bit nerve-wracking to see, uh, see that swap and that transfer of how this revenue uh, was going to be treated, uh, the needs do not uh, go away when the money goes away. Uh, did you guys weather the storm of this financial transition uh, to your satisfaction? I think we did. And, and, I, and I think, you know, to the credit of our counties um, and cities that do their, their beach projects, um, 
again, I, you know, I said earlier, we are fully committed and we are fully uh, engaged in, in making sure that our funding here locally is where it needs to be. Um, because it is, it is to us anyway, it's one of our, one of our most significant piece of infrastructure that we have to maintain. So the transition was awkward a little bit. Um, a, a lot of people didn't fully understand it and didn't understand, even in the legislature, some didn't understand what was happening and how it was happening, didn't know that the doc stamp money had gone away um, and that this was being um, replaced by Amendment 1 money. Um, at the end of the day, it's about communicating and it's about working with your legislators and the governor uh, to make sure that everybody's on the same page. Um, and that takes a huge team effort. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's not the easiest thing in the world when, when you're thinking about, you know, I've got a three mile project out here that I've got to do out on the beach. And, you know, that's really the most important thing for us. But you also have to step back from that and say, okay, collectively I need to make sure that I've got um, our big counties to the south, our panhandle counties to the northwest, right. um, you know, the Jacksonvilles of the world and, and the Collier counties and so on you got to get everybody on the same page and you got to get everybody pulling in the same direction so that the message yeah. is consistent and that it is it is unified in its attempt and and we as a state i think do that remarkably well um both at the state level and at the federal level we are we are we we know that you got to keep the message organized you got to keep it focused and you can't get distracted too too much um and 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 at the end of the day, um, it makes for an easier message to do. So our association of counties does a, a super good job at, at keeping us focused and working together with each other. We really do on issues like this try to stay at 40,000 feet. We don't try to get into the weeds of mm -hmm. saying, well, I'm only really worried about my three-mile project. Right. At, at, at the level at which we're working on this, you can't do that. Right. And that, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think the and this is not always true and hasn't historically always been true in coastal states around the country. Uh, when everybody's looking out for their own three mile project, as you said, or their own bit of the coast, uh, you end up in these competitive situations that are detrimental to the uh, entire program. The transition to this more unified messaging FSBPA is a big part of that. The American Shore and Beach Preservation Association at the federal level is too. And I do think it's the secret sauce because the uh, the shared interest of the coastal communities is what drives the political process and gives it horsepower. And uh, let me ask you, I wanted to shift a little bit here. Uh, it sounds like you have a good program. You've got a couple of federal projects here, a the beach is in very good shape. You're financially positioned to act uh, as a county and in your partnerships. But if you had a magic wand, uh, is there are there things in the system as a local elected official that you wish you could just say, boy, oh boy, I just wish this would have, this would this would help. Uh, what could be made better in the Florida Shoreline Management Program from your perspective as a county commissioner? Boy. Um, you know, I, I think the most important part, and, and from a planning perspective, uh, from a taxing authority's perspective, knowing that there's both federally and state dedicated funding to the program, whether it's 50 million or 100 million or, or 30 million, having a dedicated source and knowing that that can be competitively 
um, um, competed for, right. which is something else that was successful that Florida yeah. was achieved that we achieved last year uh, with the legislature. Um, I think that's that's the magic potion. I think I, you know having great staff, um, having knowledgeable people in the system built into the program is super important. But as long as you can continue to count on a dedicated source, if you, right. if you know that that money is going to be there, you know, our projects probably run in seven, five year cycles. Um, and so we as a county are putting money away and banking up those dollars for when that project comes. Right. Um, and, and being able to count on the fact that at the very last minute that we don't get to the finish line and all of a sudden one of those funding sources is pulled yeah, disaster. And, we're at, and we're out of business. Yeah. Um, we had that issue happen to us um, some eight years ago, maybe at this point in time with our inlet. And there were a lot of reasons why it happened. Um, but at the end of the day, we had to scramble as a community. We had to go into our reserves and we had to you know, pull out um, extra uh, millions of dollars to fund a project because we have a very limited time window, both equipment wise being in Florida, right. but also with turtle season and nesting yeah. season. And so those windows are very short and our inlet was filling up um, at an exceptionally fast rate and to the point where it was not navigable. And uh, so we, we didn't have a choice, um, but that goes back to this, this notion of like making sure that, that those funds are there and that we can, we can count on them. And then the rest of the work is up to us. I mean, that, that mm -hmm. I, we, 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 I have no problem in, in the effort and the workload that's involved in making sure that all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. I mean, right. that, that's part of this system um, that, is, that is important and it's important uh, for a whole host of reasons. Um, and, and it's not easy, it's not for the faint of heart. Um, however, all that being said, I think if I could be that one person for that one day to wave the magic wand, it would be yep. um, a dedicated, those dedicated sources of revenue from both the state and the feds that we can count on, that we know are there. Um, and then, I, you know, I, I think a second tier to that, um, because our resources are, are, are always in, 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 a, in a state of flux. There's only so much sand in certain places. And so um, we've been working now for the last couple of years on, on some, some flexibility relative to sand resources and, and offshore resources. And um, down south of us, we don't so much up here have, a, have as much of an issue. We have, I, I think, enough sand to, to take care of what we need to do for many, many years to come. But down south of us, they, they absolutely have a challenge. And right. so from a cost perspective, from a, from a hauling perspective, from a, a dredging perspective, and the mere source itself, um, you know, we've been working um, at the national level, uh, getting some legislation passed that would give us a, a little bit more um, opportunity to, to have some flexibility in terms of where we source sand from. Right. Um, it's kind of a, a long, whole nother issue to get into, but I, I think making sure that the resources are available, um, yeah. having a dedicated funding source or both financial and in terms of sand. I've always say there's only three things you need to keep a beach in good shape. You need a permit, some money and some sand. And if you have those three things, you've got it made. You got a beach. Uh, you got a beach. Uh, you know, I think that your point about the predictability and the consistency of your partner's financial capacity is so critical. Uh, I'd like to say that the, that the funding has to be as persistent 
as the waves. It cannot be unknown. You can't, because these are large scale, multi-million dollar capital projects that takes years to prepare them, years to get them out to bid. And when, the, as you say, when the moment occurs, the revenues have to be available. And I think Florida does a pretty good job compared to the other states. I know Texas is struggling with its dedicated program. We just got one over there. I'm, I'm over in Austin, uh, but not nearly as much as Florida. And we've got a lot of beaches as well. So I, I, I wanted to ask, I'd shift one other thing. I've often wondered, uh, you know, uh, about tourist development taxes, occupancy taxes. They're called accommodation taxes in different areas. Uh, these are the revenues that come from short-term rentals along the shoreline and become, I think, in many communities, a very essential part of their shoreline management funding strategy. I have a couple of questions about this for local governments. Uh, the, the, the explosion of peer-to-peer of, 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 uh, -peer renting at Airbnb and VRBO and all the other organizations where you can uh, rent your house on the beach, uh, how has the county handled that in terms of making sure that those rentals uh, are paying the contribution? Uh, has that been an issue in Martin County? It's a big issue for the state, um, as you can imagine, with the, the type of coastline that we have and uh, the variety of housing types and hotel types that we, we have all up and, and down um, both the east coast and west coast of Florida. Um, in Martin County, we, we, don't, we don't have 30, 40 hotels on the beach. We don't have that many houses on the beach that, that are part of, of that. We do experience a, a fair amount of Airbnb in our community as a whole. Um, we are challenged as a lot of communities are keeping up with it and trying to make sure that we're collecting all the bed tax that we should be collecting. Right. Um, it, it's not, it's not something that drives us here. I'll, I'll put it that way. I mean, we, we do our best to stay on top of it. Um, but we're not one of the bigger metropolitan areas that really has the significant challenges they have with all that. Um, to the program itself, to the to whether or not the, our tourism development taxes go to beach renourishment or to our beach program as a whole, uh, we as a county, by and large, really don't. We have a silo of funds uh, from our tourism development tax collection that go to maintaining our maintenance side of the beach program. Right, the maintenance and operations annually. Uh, so walkovers, trash pickup, police and fire, that kind of thing. Not so much police and fire, but of the trash maintenance, the physical dune crossovers, yeah. signage, yeah. Uh, our concession areas, that sort of thing. Um, we have not gone into, as a tourism uh, community, into the beach funding side of doing the renourishment side. There are, there are counties that do, and, and in a significant way. Um, some as yeah. much as 60, 70% of their tourism dollars go to their beaches. What we find throughout the state, and, it, and it's a debate all across the tourism community because everybody treats it differently. There are some communities, some counties that place an enormous value of their tourism perspective on the quality of their beach. Um, mm -hmm. you, you tend to kind of see that a little bit more on the West Coast sometimes um, than maybe on the East Coast. Um, we don't do that here, uh, at least in Martin County. We're, we're not focused like that. We, we, 
we do put some money into our inlet and we do put some money into the maintenance of our of our physical side of our beach side um and it's a constant statewide debate um, yeah. of, of the importance i i think what i think what we have been as a state smart perhaps to do is to let the locals decide what's important to them um, what works for collier county uh, may not work for martin county um, and and relative to the tourism side of that if if that is for them their number one and and they have worked that issue through for years to decide yeah. whether or not that is the way it should be or not they are ridiculously stout and strong on that perspective yeah here on on our side it's it's a little bit different you know I, it is a complicated question and i do think that the local uh, leadership on that the local decision making is probably the best system you can come up with but what I've often thought about it is there is a certain amount of revenue that is required to promote tourism and tourism facilities and in, in communities along the American shoreline. And it, these revenues are tied to the tourism industry and hotel construction and the broader economy. They can grow rather rapidly during certain periods where the amount of money available for the traditional functions of uh, these revenues is you, you just you've got more money than you need i've often wondered if if there wasn't a way to, to sort of have a rational growth rate in that so that those revenues can be protected but when there are these greater increases to be able to slide that off to these long-term investments on the shoreline i'm an advocate for greater spending on bed taxes uh commissioner I've, i spent a lot of years creating special districts in Florida and raising taxes and arguing with property owners over special assessments for beaches. And let me tell you, they all say, there's a whole lot of tourists here. Why aren't they helping pay more? And I kind of, I'm sympathetic to that. Yeah. So there's, there, there is a, there, there is a long-term debate. On yeah. That. And, and there have, you know, the, the history that the, the bed tax has in Florida has been, has been tried for, many decades to be very tight and very controlled so that yeah. where those dollars are spent, you know, the, the depending upon where you come from the discussion, the, the hoteliers will tell you they are the ones who do the work to produce the revenue. Uh, it is they that, that are the ones that put heads in beds and, mm -hmm. and, and make sure that true that the tourist experience is, is what it should be or what they're expecting. And so, you know, they're the, you know, so from their perspective, uh, it's it's the marketing side of making sure that Florida continues to bring back year after year after year visitors to our state. It works um, too. The numbers are always fabulous, and, and they're fabulous this year too. And and they are. Yeah, and, they and, really are. And so you know you have this, you have this commitment from both the state and and the industry of the tourism industry to maintain that. Then it comes down to, well, what, what does that promotion look like? You know, is, is promoting a sports arena right. because that sports arena is a huge draw and that's what brings people to a region or to a state um, and puts people on heads and beds. Mm -hmm. So the sports complex people would tell you that if it weren't for the fact that we have XYZ uh, yeah. stadium in the neighborhood, your hotel rates maybe wouldn't be what they are. I, 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 I'm a f sort of a, in the middle and I'm a, and I'm a perfectly, um, agreeable person to the idea that, look, I understand where those taxes are, are generated. 
And there's a lot of hardworking people in the industry that make those things happen. I chair RTDC. Um, so I get oh, to great. see it firsthand and, oh, yeah. okay. and, and, and I'm smack right in the middle of that debate. Um, and we have a, we have a really, I think, great working relationship with our hotel and, and restaurant world uh, here in Martin County. We have a good understanding as to what we're doing. We have a phenomenal tourism director um, for the county that, that promotes our, our county and destination. Um, and so it works for us. But again, it, what's perfectly clear, and, and we don't have a sports stadium in, in, in Martin County. We do have a swimming complex that is very successful. Uh, and we do put a fair amount of marketing dollars to that complex. We don't put any capital into the mm -hmm. complex. Yep. Um, but we certainly put in the marketing side of it to make sure that we keep getting swimming events coming back to our, our, our community and, and certainly even to the area. But we're not a, a, a sports complex-driven type community. We don't have a Dolphin Stadium here. We don't have a Daytona 500 right. racetrack here. Or AAA baseball. AAA or, baseball mm -hmm. or the Cardinals or the Red Sox or right. whoever. Yeah. And that's okay. There, there are people who do, and they do a really good job of that. And they have balanced in their community the importance of what those things mean. In Fort Myers, I, I think you have the Red Sox over there, and they just built a, some years back a whole new complex uh, for the Red Sox. Yeah, and, for spring training. And, yeah. that, and that works for them. Yeah. They have a long history with that. Um, I think it's right adjacent to their airport over there. Um, it's, it's a model that, that works for them as a whole. Uh, we have an entirely different model here because we don't have those assets. I understand. They have different assets. So, you know, I just, it, 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 I, I appreciate the argument that there are certain marketing that what the hotelers are saying, look, we are, what we need to do is what drives this revenue to begin with. You've got to support this. I, I think that's all true. What I've always thought is there's probably a level that is necessary for that and even maybe with growth every year but it's the disconnection between the financial demand of good promotion and tourism facilities uh, and the revenue source that the revenue source can often uh, grow in ways that are that are faster stronger richer and there's something about sort of taking, protecting that underlying investment that the hotelers need, the marketing folks have to have, but recognizing, gee, when things are banging, we could move a million dollars over here, take some of the pressure off our local revenues. I, that's, I'm, I, I'm, I'm lobbying. I'm it, sorry. It, it's a, it, it's, it's a, <laughs> I'm lobbying a little bit. I don't know that our tourism development council here, our, our program, Ours has been, been in place for now maybe 12, 14 years, somewhere like that. I, I don't know that we have yet matured to the point where I would say I feel confident that we have the adequate amount of marketing dollars going into the program. Understand. We have four or five silos we put funds into. That it, so it's not just marketing. We right. do have dollars going into other silos. Um, and there may come a point where we feel that we're robust enough that we could peel off more and do something different. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that we've reached that point yet. Okay. Um, and we're a relatively small community at the end of the day. I mean, we're, we're not a, we're not a Broward. We're not a Dade. We're not a, yeah. uh, we're not a, a Collier for instance. Um, and so, uh, you know, for our scale and what we do here, um, we're just, I think we're just getting to the point where 
We've got a really good marketing agency that in our TDC department that we, we operate. Uh, we have a great staff. Um, we have a great relationship with our hotels and our restaurants and, and the people that make that part of that thing tick. Um, but I don't think we're there yet on the amount of money we're spending on our, on our marketing side. We're close. We, we, we've made some shifts in the last handful of years to, to get us better there. As this relates back to the conversation of where we are with sand, um, um, I think as a community, we are positioned and, and we have positioned ourselves to make sure that our funding resources are there and they're solid. Uh, and they're not dependent upon the tourism industry. And that we are committed as a community one way or the other, with or without the tourism industry, to make sure that that shoreline is protected, it's solid, it's the, it's the type of beach profile that it should be. Again, to go back to those kind of three or four core purposes, your, your health, safety, and welfare, what you're mm -hmm. protecting with that beach, the, the, the habitat and the environment that, it, that, it's, it, that is part of it, um, certainly all your infrastructure that stands behind it, if you will, whether yeah. it's residential or commercial or, or roads and sewer and water and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then comes the, you know, the public side of using the beach and making sure that they have that great resource out there. So I think we're, you know, I, I think we balance it here pretty well in Martin County. Um, um, other, other counties do it differently. And, right. And, Sometimes I'd like to see us, you know, and maybe have a little bit of a different model, but I think what's good about our community too, where we're, we're, we are fairly small, that those players can come around the table anytime we want to get them around the table and have a conversation. Are we doing the right thing, going in the right direction, or, are we, or, or do we need to change direction? Right, and, so important. And where maybe some of the larger ones can't have that kind of direct hands-on conversation, we still are able to do that. That's what's what make government. That's what makes government work well. So, uh, Commissioner, that really good to hear uh, about the county's efforts and the success of the program that you've had. Um, you know, there are a lot of communities around the country that are becoming uh, more aware of the need to manage their shorelines. You know, people talk about sea level rise, changing conditions. Uh, what would you say to the com to other communities around the American shoreline? Uh, what does it take? What's your advice? How do you make this work? How can they follow the path of Martin County? So, Peter, I think there are a couple. I think there are a couple things that um, are absolutely key to having a successful any kind of program. But for the purpose of this, we'll talk about beaches uh, first and foremost. And, and I was incredibly spoiled when I got into this this job that um, we had two. Uh, really super good coastal engineers. Um, one that was head of our engineering department, who's now an assistant county administrator for us, um, and his staff, who was also a coastal engineer. So you had this incredible depth of talent um, specific to shoreline coastal engineering and, and, and the understanding of, of the dynamics of all of what exists. I, I think from there, and, and I think maybe even before that even, but you would have this if you were going into the coastal engineering side of this. You've got to have a com you've got to have a commitment from your community and from your elected officials. Right. You've got to have you've got to have <clears throat> the, the the absolute want that we are going to dedicate the time and the resources and the money to having a successful program. And that's with any program. But if if for the purposes of this, and and I think what 
might be an outline for what that looks like. So you want to have a coastal engineering department or coastal engineer in your engineering department. Um, you absolutely, um, both at the state level and at the federal level, have to have a, a lobby team and a lobby effort um, that are experts in the world of um, yeah. um, shoreline rebuilding, um, beach renourishment. Um, because your voice has to be heard not only from the elected officials side of the equation constantly. I mean, you have to be in the game. You have to be with your legislators. You have to be at conferences. You have to be engaged in everything that there is to be engaged about with sand for this issue as an elected official. But you also need to have people that are in D.C. or in our case in Tallahassee, but whatever state you're coming from, that are in the political uh, um, um, strategy constantly and understand the dynamics of it. Uh, you've got to have a, uh, you've got to have some partners in the legislature. You absolutely have to have people that um, that sand and, and beach renourishment are are important components of what they do. Um, in some cases, you'll have that relationship direct one on one with your own legislator, and sometimes it won't be. Your legislator will be somebody from another part of the state that you have absolutely no connection to which is where that sometimes comes in handy, having someone that is working that yep. team of, of folks, and again, in our state in Tallahassee or in, in D.C. Uh, through the years, we, we in Martin County have, since, I, since pretty much when I was elected in 2000, we have taken that strategy. We have, we have a lobbyist, um, actually a couple lobbyists in, 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 um, in D.C., uh, and we also have um, uh, one or two lobbyists in Tallahassee for different disciplines and different things. I would also absolutely implore you that if you're looking at lobbyists, find them, find the ones that are, are skill set or talent set in the discipline you're looking for. Right. There are a lot of general purpose lobby firms that are perfectly great firms. But as with anything else, you want someone who is an expert in the field of what you're working on. So if, if, if you are embarking on building a beach re-nourishment program and you're trying to you know, go through those steps, what does that look like? Um, get people that are, that are disciplined in, in that specific discipline. And if, and if it is, if, you know, because all the various fields of, of what your legislators work in, there's, a, there's either an association like FSPA for, for, yeah. for Florida, I'm sure there's one in the state that you all might live in. Um, there is. But, you know, I become a member of them as well. I mean, if your county or city isn't a member, absolutely join. Get involved in a leadership role. Get on a committee. Get on a something. Get get yourself positioned so that you are in as much know as there is to know about the strategy of whether it's funding in your state, whether it's legislative policy in your state, um, programmatic changes that are going on. Have a lobbyist. Have your staff. Have your elected officials, but you got to be engaged, and you got to wow. you got to have that commitment to doing it, um, because at all the all of those levels, there's a there's a piece for everybody in, in that part of the story. You can't know every legislator. There are people mm -hmm. that are paid to know them and to know who are the chairs, who are the who are the committee members, who are the leadership members, and and they have a role. Everybody in that sort of construct has a role and has a place. And so um, find, you know, find the disciplines you're looking for, um, hire them, and, and it's financial. It's absolutely a commitment. 
Um, but the amount of money that's involved and the, 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 the work product that's, that's at the end of the day, the millions of dollars you're going to spend on the capital project itself um, is, is so far exceeds the money you will spend on having those teams of people in the right place that you want to make sure that they are in place, that you do get the right funding, that you do get the right project, uh, and that you're going to be coming back in some years in the future and doing it again. You want to make sure that the, yeah. the foundation you set is one you can build upon. Right. And, and you want it to be as good as it can be, as much as you can afford, um, because you'll be doing it again. Right. Uh, it's, a, it's a program, not a project. Right. Yep. So uh, I, mean, I, I think those are the key components. I think you want to have a coastal engineer. I think you want to have a lobby team. I think you want to have a committed both elected body, um, but a community as well. Uh, we have been, I said this earlier in another interview, um, we have been incredibly fortunate here in Martin County to have residents. Uh, they come to every one of our FSBA meetings, no matter where they are in the state. Wow. They are fully engaged as residents. Educated, knowledgeable. Yep. As much as probably almost anybody in the industry. Great. Um, it is their, it is their, it is their front yard. The beach is, is their backyard or their front yard. Uh, it's important to them and it means a lot to them. And there's a, you know, there's a reason that they chose to be there because that's the lifestyle that they like. But they also understand the importance of being engaged and being supportive and helpful uh, in the process overall. And, um, and then the you know, last part is whatever you have or whoever you have for a state um, a program um, like ours here in Florida, absolutely join it, absolutely engage, absolutely go be part of the leadership um, because it all makes a difference. Uh, be smart, be skilled, and be engaged, kind of what it sounds like. And, and be uh, present. Be, and be present. Uh, you know, the, the, the idea of hobby, we, 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 we look down on lobbyists, and I used to hear this in uh, community discussions. I used to have, uh, was you know, Peter, that's just politics. And I, and I would explain, let's slow down. The first thing you have to understand is the politics, and not in a pejorative way, or politics is lousy or sleazy or lobbyists are terrible. Uh, the political process is where we weigh the values of what we're trying to do as a society. Uh, it is the game. It is how we do it. It is through elected representatives. And being good and having lobbyists and having skilled lobbyists uh, representing you and speaking for you is absolutely, I would 100% agree, it's essential. And it's nothing to look down on uh, because these are there are so many competing interests that uh, governors have to work on and legislators have to work on. They can't know everything. Someone's got to come in and walk them through the details. Uh, so I'm a big fan of that. I also love the fact that you have a coastal engineer and have had coastal engineers in, on your paid staff. Uh, that local level of expertise is essential. And so few communities do. They may have a planning director who's comfortable with roads and utilities, but they don't know the, what the beach is or why the hell it's changing or why do we have to do that again. And that professional expertise is, I would agree, essential to be being successful. Yeah, I, I just I, I think if you take all of those and and, I, and I'd go back to the lobby thing for a second. Look, I, I said this earlier. There, there's no way that you can know everybody. Um, there's also no way that you can be in all places at all times. Um, you know, for us here in Florida, Tallahassee is a long way away in many in many counties. It's, well, it's, it is. 
And so as a perfect, for instance, we're sitting here today on Hutchinson Island in Martin County, and there are, there are committee meetings going on up in Tallahassee that I would have loved to have been at. There, there are other issues that are significantly important that were being discussed today. You can't be every place. And we have staff and lobby people in Tallahassee covering those meetings for us, making sure that we're not missing anything, that Martin County is being represented in those meetings. And so uh, there, there is value everywhere in this process. Um, but again, as you said earlier, you gotta be there, you gotta be present, you gotta be engaged. Mm -hmm. uh, and you got to be committed. You, 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 it's, it's, this, is a, this is a never-ending process. Uh, and if you have a beach, if you have an inlet, um, they're, they're huge dollar projects. Um, and they're years in the making. There's, there's, they're, they're, these are not projects that you, you think of tomorrow and think in a month from now we're going to work on. All that being said, um, it's, a, it's a process but it's a long-term process and it's a commitment to that process, both financially, staff, uh, and, and from your community. So if you can balance all those things out yep. um, and, and with all the competing other interests that are out there for the same attention, the same time and energy, um, you too can have a, a great beach program. Well, figuring it out and doing it well, that's the trick on the American shoreline. And it's good to talk to one of the expert local officials on this topic, uh, Commissioner Doug Smith from Martin County. Uh, and Commissioner, I think you mentioned uh, elected in 2000, so I guess you're coming up on your 20th year as an elected official on the coast. Uh, are you planning on uh, hitting 20 and keeping going? Yeah, um, yes. It, it, it's a, uh, I said this earlier, it is the greatest job in the world if, if, you're, if you're thought about what gets you up in the morning is getting things accomplished. Um, it is, it is the coolest thing in the world, working with the feds, working with the state, working with our community, working on projects that people want to get done. And sometimes they take seven years, sometimes they take 15 years. Yeah. Um, but if, uh, if it's something you love doing, it's the best job in the world. Well, great. Thank you for sharing your insights and uh, thank you for the welcome to this beautiful coastal county. Uh, Martin County, ladies and gentlemen, Commissioner Doug Smith, thanks a lot for being on the American Shoreline Podcast.